Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to The Pull List for February 7th, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Tucker Marcus, a.k.a. The Agent of Chaos. <laughs> I don't... Yeah, sure. We'll yes. go with that. Uh, first, new persona. Off the bat, 20 comics coming out, so we have to dive right into things. Tucker, kick it off. First book is The Amazing Spider-Man, number 795. It's written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Terry Pallet, colors by Marte Gracia. This is a really fun issue because we see Loki, the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, as we know, Loki has taken over the mantle from Stephen Strange at the moment. These are kind of two characters that you, I, I feel like we don't get to see team up that often. Mm. They're kind of from different corners of the universe in a really interesting way. So to see them kind of work together, to see them clash a little bit, is really different. It's really exciting. It's part of the threat level red storyline. The way that they kind of handle each other and what they're doing in this issue is really interesting and really super fun. The way I, I, I looked at this arc, kind of call it Peter Parker and the no good, very bad day. Yeah. Because everything is going wrong. Pure Parker luck. I'm digging it. Uh, we did see last issue a little bit of the Carnage stuff that kind of shows us what's ahead for yeah. Spidey and it, yeah. it is very bad. Uh, I will say that I'm, I'm a little upset that the Mockingbird Spider-Man romance seems to be over. Yeah. But Bobby's just kind of way too good for Peter anyway. It's <laughs> true. So, eh, sorry, Pete, but yeah. Bobby's built for bigger and better things. She's amazing. She's smarter, funnier, yeah. more capable than, than poor old Parker. Sorry, Pete. As much as we love him. Anyway, on to Avengers number 679, written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade. Art by Kim Jacinto. Colors by David Curiel. So, new penciler on this issue, and he did not have an easy task following Pepe Larraz. No way. But he's rocking it. There's some like elements in here that I'm really digging. It's a really different issue than the than the previous ones in the No Surrender arc so far. Yeah. That said, his art really connects to those issues yeah. because of David Curiel's coloring. Mm-hmm. So there's that bridge there, but there's just a really cool vibe to it all. We also get to see the introduction of the Challenger here, who is a kind of new elder of the universe. Mm-hmm. Elders, some of my favorites. You know, you've got the Runner, the Gardener. After that. I literally do not care because we have a runner and a gardener. But we, we also have, obviously, the Grandmaster and the Collector and and a number of others. So these elders, we get a little bit of behind-the-scenes background of them. I really identify with the people whose names end with ER. <laughs> one gardens, one runs. If I was an elder of the universe, I would tuck. Yeah, you would be like, oh, your shirt's untucked. Let me get in there because I am the tucker. I'm, you know, I'm the hero people need. This is true. (laughs) Yeah, so we get to see the introduction of the challenger and how he connects to the elders, especially the grandmaster. This was really, really neat. And he is designed by Pepe Lara. Pepe designed the challenger and we see in the background some of the pencils and the thoughts behind it. Some info about his belly button or lack thereof, which I really enjoyed. What is that, a little Kyle XY going on? It's Uh, some old school ABC family for you. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, But there's a really nerdy explanation from Mark Wade about how the Metal Master could control Mjolnir, which I love the back matter in this book. In addition to everything that's going on with the story, continuing on what's going on with Rogue, we see a little bit of what happened with Human Torch in here. Really, really neat stuff. Digging the hell out of this. It's hard to not pick an issue of Avengers every week. So we're trying to vary it up (laughs) because it's just it's super solid. Next book is Black Bolt, 
number 10, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Christian Ward with Stephanie Hans on a couple pages. I'll get to that. Man, this is good. So Blinky was stolen by Lash. So Black Bolt and Titania team up to get her back. That's essentially where we are in the story. Kudos mm-hmm. to Saladin for always having amazing dialogue in a book where the main character doesn't even right. speak. Like it's that, unbelievable. It, he builds around Black Bolt in such a great way and gives each character their own specific, distinct voice. He made me love Absorbing Man. He makes me love Titania. It's mm-hmm. it's so good. There's a really neat uh, new human in here called Fume, and he's someone who can, I guess, turn into knockout gas because that's <laughs> what he does. And as we only see him really for like two tiny panels, but Christian Ward makes him look so cool. I had to make a note about yeah. it because I was yeah. like, that guy looks awesome. There's a really neat sequence in the middle of the issue painted by Stephanie Hans that shows how this takes place alongside what we see in in Human's Judgment Day, the big book that Al Ewing, Mike Del Mundo, and, and those teams worked on. In that book, it was more focused on the royals and specifically Medusa. Medusa sort of goes into her head into this weird astral space, and those pages were digitally painted by right. Mike Del Mundo in Judgment Day. Well, here we see the flip side. These were painted by Stephanie Hans, showing the similar scenes, but from Black Bolt's perspective. It's really, really neat. I love that kind of connectivity. Anyway, after all that Black Bolt has gone through, this is the issue where he starts building back up and it hits like this apex and this gorgeous splash page of Black Bolt breaking free and exploding with power. He goes... I would say Super Saiyan, but he's not a Saiyan. <laughs> he goes super inhuman. Here, there's like this the sound effect when in Dragon Ball, when someone goes Super Saiyan, that yeah. <laughs> like that's what I heard in my head. He gets all big and scary and cool. And, and then right at the end, just a big old WTF moment. Oh, yeah. Black Panther, The Sound and the Fury. Number one is the next book. And this is written by the Marvel legend, Ralph Macchio. Art by the incredible Andrea DeVito, colors by Laura Villari, and letters by Travis Lanham. What is so cool about T'Challa is that he, you know, embodies Wakanda in so many ways. You know, he has this mystery and royal air about him. But I feel like because he is so of that world, we don't often get to see him just be pure superhero. Saving the day, going up against bad guys, you know, saving, you know, people in danger, things like that. That is kind of the action that we get in this story, plus all of the great kind of narration, the voice of T'Challa. Those two things combined in this story so beautifully. And as we kind of have gotten so many different angles on Black Panther, this is another interesting angle on the King of Wakanda, on the different hero that he can be in different moments in different stories. And, you know, for that reason, I thought it was just super exciting read. Yeah. It's set in Dubai, yeah. not in Wakanda, and yeah. which was neat. I also was trying to do some research on this book because I didn't recognize a couple of the villains in here. Claw is the mm-hmm. sort of antagonist, and he brings in three people to help fight T'Challa, and it's Block the Destroyer, Anton Garot, and Shen Yu. And then I realized they're brand new. They were uh, created for this story. Yeah. Uh, so you get all that plus the second appearance of Black Panther. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. Next up is Daredevil number 598. It's written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, which is so good. Colors by Matt Miller, letters by Clayton Cowles. This continues the Mayor Fisk arc, and, you know, the chess match continues. Matt Murdock makes some interesting moves. Mayor Fisk has kind of tried to 
keep his enemies close in a really interesting way to try and subdue him. And because they've clashed so often in the past in their public personas, he has, you know, tried to keep him quiet by putting him in the the mayoral administration. So Murdoch kind of needs to find some different ways to go about this. There's this kind of strange thing happening on the streets of New York, this kind of subversive agent that's kind of going about some weird business. It's talking about Muse. I like where you're going with trying not to give away too much, but Muse is so cool to me and such a cool like selling point yeah. for the book because I think he's one of those great villains for Daredevil and Charles has created him and he's creepy and takes some stuff to the next level right. in this issue, yeah. which is freaking me out. He's doing some cool tagging on the cover. As he's, you do. He's he's doing a nice graffito. Uh, anyway, Daredevil, it's so good and, you know, as you just mentioned, Muse is a really, really interesting addition. Yeah, I... I feel like that would make a perfect season yes. arc. Yeah. Like this storyline for a Daredevil Completely. TV show would be so good. All right. Up next is Hawkeye number 15, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Virtual Calligraphy's Joe Sabino. And man, I love the series so much. Yeah. This is, I believe, the penultimate issue of the run. And it's it's really just a fast-moving action comedy. It's the Hawkeyes versus about six villains and a ton of minions. One of the minions has one of my favorite lines of the week, which the line is, I cannot be kicked in the face again today by a Hawkeye. It's just, <laughs> it was so good and the way it's set up. And I, I like Madame Mask teaming up with Eden Vale and then what they do to connect it to the Generations Hawkeye book even further. It's so good, so smart, so funny. And the dynamic between the, the Hawkeyes is top notch. Next up is Iceman number 10, written by Cinna Grace, pencils by Robert Gill, inks by Robert Gill and Ed Tadeo, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. This is all action, this issue. It's docking up against Bobby Drake. They're crashing through the Xavier Institute. There's like a moment where it's kind of a like a finish him move <laughs> that Bobby Drake pulls, but it is the kind of least expected slash most Bobby Drake thing that could happen in the moment. And Mm -hmm. it is so perfect. It is the epitome of this book, of this series. This issue definitely elevates the series and the character in a really interesting way that it shows the action, it shows the heart, the kind of denouement of the story is, you know, powerful as we have come to expect uh, in this series. And uh, yeah, it, it runs the gamut. Really fun. Yeah. I also love how he writes the kids yeah. in the Institute, especially like there's a lot of really great supporting character dialogue and moments in this issue. Man, it would just be like a really fun companion piece to Generation X to have seen Completely. With, with his kids. Anyway, really great. Also really great. And one of my picks of the week is Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock, number one, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Michael Allred, colors by Laura Allred, and lettering by VCs Corey Petit. Man, I am oh, so hyped for this. Yeah. We are going to talk about it on This Week in Marvel in more depth, so I won't get too deep into it. But if you did listen to last week's This Week in Marvel, you know Jordan and I were trying to remember the name of a specific character who lives, essentially, in Soul World, and he's in this book, Judge Krator. Mm. Judge Krator. He looks so dope. He's really cool. <laughs> I love him. Man, I, there's so much going on in this issue. It's it's giant-sized. You want to read Infinity Countdown. It's going to be a big thing. It's going to have 
lots of Ripley cool effects for some of the characters that we love. Things are happening. Again, this is one of my picks of the week, Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock number one. Stay tuned to This Week in Marvel later in the week. If you haven't picked it up by then, oh. I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. Just pick it up for the art. Just come on. For Pete's sake. I know. The All Reds are just top notch. Legendary. It's Kang and Adam Warlock, time travel, good old shenanigans. Amazing. All right. We've got Iron Fist number 77 up next, written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Andy Troy, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is Sparrow versus Choshin. Sabretooth versus Rat of Twelve Plagues. Rat has a gross super attack in here as well. It's yeah. like he does a like basically a scummy Kamehameha. At, uh, <laughs> it all goes back to Dragon Ball with me, guys. You're just gonna yeah. have to live with it. Yeah, uh, it's so gross. It's really fun. Uh, Mike Perkins and Andy Troy art on this sells this really as this down and dirty martial arts epic that mm-hmm. uh, that it is. It's. There's also a dope homage to the Captain America Annual Number no. 8 cover by Mike Zeck. Classic, classic. It's Wolverine versus Cap in the, the original cover. And, you know, Wolverine's claws slashing down on Cap's shield. It was still when Wolverine, I don't know, it was mid-80s, I want to say, mid-late 80s. And Wolverine was still, like, mysterious, right. super mysterious. Still awesome. But at a time when we were like, whoa, he's going to cut Cap. <laughs> uh, it was great cover. Mike Zeck's art was awesome. So there's a really nice homage in here. And in this version, it's Choshin versus Iron Fist. This is a really, really awesome into the arc. Sadly, an end to Mike Perkins' time on the book. But new artist for starting next issue will be Damien Cusiero, uh, which should be great. I'm digging the heck out of this. If you like martial arts, books, stories, whatever, movies, Iron Fist is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Rolling on, we've got Rise of the Black Panther, number two. Go back to my interview with writer Evan Narcisse from a few weeks back on This Week in Marvel if you want to learn a ton more about the series and, and background on Evan because he's just the best. He's writing it. Tanahasi Coates is on the book as consultant. Art in this issue by Javier Pina. Colors by Stefan Petra and letters by VCs Josebino. This is the first meeting between T'Challa and Namor. Two of, in my opinion, greatest characters in the Marvel Universe and two, obviously, of the most powerful monarchs of the Marvel Universe. It's a classic story. They fight first, realize they're on the same side, then they team up and be awesome together. Plus, we've got Evan being able to write, you know, Imperious Rex, classic <laughs> Submariner line. It's just basically his battle cry. It's his clobber in time, his... Right. Who, other, who else has, like, a catchphrase? Oh, come on. Sweet Christmas. Why can't you right, remember? Sweet Christmas, of course. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, and and it, it's great. Rogue and Gambit is next. It's issue number two in this limited series written by Kelly Thompson, art by Perry Perez, colors by Frank D'Armato, letters by Joe Caramagna. There's a really cool thing that happens here as we jump between the present and the past where Perry and Frank D'Armato kind of evoke this older style of comics illustration and it looks so great but it also fits in perfectly with the rest of the story which is this kind of great kind of mystery solving crawling through air ducts type getting real close to each other oh yeah it is steamy give me uh, one of those fans please you know one of those fans you know one of those fans I'm familiar with with 
fans. I, I'm a fan of Kelly Thompson, by the way. But anyway, uh, we get little hints of what's to come. There's a crazy ending that will really launch us into the to the next issue. Yeah, uh, Rogan Gambit and couples therapy is not something I thought I wanted to read, but I yeah. really dig it. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a really amazing two page spread of the two of them yelling each other in therapy, and instead of like what they would be yelling, all the word balloons are scenes drawn from their pasts, mm-hmm. whether it's their past together or separately. There's a little bit of Belladonna in there, which I when I saw Kelly, I was like, Belladonna going to be in this book? And she's like, <laughs> I hate Belladonna. <laughs> uh, which you should. Belladonna and, and Gamut have a, a torrid you know, history together. Yeah. Um, lovely flashback stuff to Muir Island Saga, mm-hmm. which is a favorite of my history reading the X-Men. Muir Island, again, is that's classic X-Men. That is not an island full of clones of the hosts of ABC Nightly News' David Muir. Uh, there's also <laughs> smooching in here. Really, this book is frustrating for me, if we're getting real, because Kelly writes Gambit the way that Gambit makes me so angry and yes. I hate him. Yeah. He's dirty and gross. It's her skin crawl a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but at the same time, she does some really great things with him that make me like him. There's a really quiet and tender moment between them that I, is just lovely. I'm not going to say I like Gambit. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you will not do it. But I'm turning. Kelly and, and this team are doing some interesting work here to build wow. that bridge. Wow. And we'll leave it there. That yeah. is that is an interesting note to, yes. to move on. On to Runaways, number six. This is the end of the first arc. Man, it's so good. Written by Rainbow Rawl. Art by Chris Anka and Matt Wilson. Letters by Joe Carmagna. It's Runaways versus an evil grandma and her scary cats. You know, (laughs) I don't like the idea of fighting cats or grandmas, but I love this book. Yeah. The creative team has been so stellar with the funny and the action stuff and the heart-rending moments. And there's a two-page sequence here, the aftermath of all the big action in the book. It's a very heavy moment and sad and it comes from really like a lot of the body language the little bit of dialogue or really lack thereof because there's just a handful of words on these two pages and the coloring all of it put together is such a a testament to what this team is doing so well and and the runaways get a new member Ooh, yeah it's so good She-Hulk number 162 is written by Mariko Tamaki Art by Genoa Lindsay, colors by Federico Blee, letters by Travis Lanham. This is part of the Jen Walters Must Die storyline. And this is a really interesting issue because we dive into the brain of Jen Walters. We get a real close look at her psyche about her past, about how she kind of manages that, about how she's dealing not only with the way that she confronts external threats as the Hulk, but the way that she confronts the Hulk itself and the the role that the Hulk plays in her life. You know, all those elements are brought to life in really interesting ways by Janoy. There's this really interesting six-panel page as we see Jen's kind of... First, it's her disembodied head, and then it's her skeleton, and then she kind of comes to life in this interesting way. It's a really, really interesting, really, really different issue from anything we've seen from She-Hulk recently. There's just, like, ridiculous imagination on display from Mariko and Janoy, and it's brought to life in a really, really interesting way. And it's uh, up there is one of my favorite covers of the week by Raza. Yes. I mean, 
I am huge in the tank for him and all his covers, uh, all his Luke Cage stuff. And this one, man, this is really cool and weird. Yeah, I love it. Oh, and uh, coming over the wire from evil producer Brandon, who's sitting across the table from me, he says that Mariko is on Women of Marvel this week. So you guys check that out. Always listen to Women of Marvel, but listen to it triply so because she's talking to Judy and the gang, and it's it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Next up is Spider-Man 237. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Oscar Balzadua, colors by Brian Reber, letters by Corey Petit. This issue was kind of a watershed moment for me because it kind of all fell into place in my mind as, you know, this part of of Miles' story is, it's about generations. It's about, you know, this issue is about him and his uncle Aaron and the conflicts going on there, the difficulty that they go through as potential adversaries in the, the superhero, supervillain world as relatives. And the same thing's going on with Lana and her mother, Bombshell. This, this older generation that is part of their path and they kind of work together. And then there's this younger generation that is on a very different path. And it's about the conflict that comes up as a result. And essentially, it's really asking these questions of what is the pathway forward for the young group here? What is Miles's role? That's something we know he's been struggling with. So it's, it's, it's really wonderful to see all these themes tying together in, in a grand sense, but also in a very intricate sense. Yeah. This is a classic talky-talky Bendis issue. Yeah. I'm all about it. It's great. All right. On to Spider-Man Deadpool number 27. All right. Get ready, y'all, because there's a lot of names on this one. It's written by Robbie Thompson. Art by Chris Bashalo, Scott Hepburn, and Marcus Toe. Inks by Livesay, Alve, Wayne Faucher. Victor Olazaba, Scott Hepburn, Chris Bashalo, Marcus Toe, Colors by Chris O'Halloran and Ian Herring, and Letters by VC's Joe Sabino. All right, in this issue, we get to see the establishment of an Area 14, which is full of interdimensional creatures and weapons, as kind of a companion to Area 13, where S.H.I.E.L.D. kept monsters like the Howling Commandos. Robbie Thompson, whom I adore, Mm -hmm. runs wild and comes up with the coolest things in this. Self-aware venereal diseases, which, come on, (laughs) got to love that. Yeah. Organic rifles, giant weird tentacle monsters. He's kind of like perfect at writing Wade, especially the Wade-Pete dynamic in here. Uh, And they're funny, they're banter, all the the problems and the good things that go with that. And then, boom, we get just this page of heartfelt stuff. There's a 12-panel page of Wade admitting who he is and what he is while hacking at a giant monster. And then the team totally got me. There's a big story swerve in here. Just such a great issue. It was on the top of my list for this week. My pick this week is Spirits of Vengeance number 5. It was also on my list. Oh, yeah. We'll dive deep into this on This Week in Marvel later this week. But this issue and this series has been written by Victor Gishler, art by David Baldion, colors by Andres Mosa, letters by Corey Petit. Just in short, for me, there's been nothing like this book. It's so strange. It's so different. Everything from the storyline and down to the art. I loved this issue. I loved this limited series. It's been so fun to read. Agreed. CC, whatever, <laughs> me me too. Yeah. All right, up next is Star Wars number 43, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador La Roca, colors by Guru Effects, and lettering by Clayton Cowles. And uh, there's just a lot of moving pieces in here, but I'm super digging the Luke and Commander Kanchar. Kanchar is the big dude with the, the eye patch and the, yeah. the cyborg stuff. Space cable. Space cable, yeah. And he's fighting a Jedi, and there's a great moment in here where he does something super smart. He's fighting a Jedi, realizing you just shoot at a Jedi, they're going to reflect the blaster bolts right back at you. So instead of blaster, 
He has a flamethrower. He goes after a Jedi with a flamethrower. It's really smart. It makes a ton of sense. But actually, my favorite stuff in the issue is between Leia and Queen Trios from Shurutan. And it's it's neat. Royalty just playing a bigger game. Really awesome into the arc and to the connections to Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also leading really cool vibe of, of what's ahead for, for the rest of Star Wars. All right, another one of my picks for this week is Venom number 161. It's got mm, maybe probably my favorite cover of the week. It's by Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez. It's all, it's red and black, red, black, and white, and it's so cool. It's Venom, Spider-Woman tussling. just so stark and contrasty. It's awesome. neat. This issue is written by Mike Costa, art by Javier Garon, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara and Eric Arciniega, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and Javier Garon doing a little bit of a different vibe here. It's super neat. Hard to explain, kind of, but his textures and some of his figure work is different from what we have seen from him recently in Secret Warriors. Mm-hmm. I really, really love it. Maybe it's because he's not doing a team book, so he's got more room right. to sort of like breathe and flex. It works really, really well. We'll talk more about it later this week. But if you have not read Venom of late, this is actually a great jumping on point for the series. So take that to the bank, as they say. Cha-ching. All right, X-Men Gold number 21. Up next, written by Mark Guggenheim, pencils by Diego Bernard, inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Arif Prianto, letters by VCs Corey Petit. And this one, it was good. It solves a little mystery that I have been trying to figure out about Pyro, who we saw a few months back in the pages of X-Men Gold. Pyro dead, son. Yeah. He's been dead a long time. This solves that mystery. And man, it really also hammers home that Mentallo is a big old jerk. The artist on this, Diego Bernard, relatively new artist to my mm. eyes. And I think I've seen his name a couple times, but this one, really, really cool superhero stuff. There's a big splash page of the team ready to fight, and they look really cool. But this is the first part of the Brotherhood arc, so get ready for cool X-Men versus Brotherhood action uh, in the mighty Marvel manner. Last book of the week is X-Men Red number one. I believe Alex is going to talk a little bit more about this on This Week in Marvel. He will. But Gene's back. Back again. Not going to do that joke (laughs) for you guys. Written by Tom Taylor. Art by Mahmoud Asrar. Colors by Yves Forcina. Letters by VCs Corey Petit. Virtual calligraphy, guys. They're on like every book. Yeah. All the Corey and Clayton and Joe and all them. Kudos to them. Knocking out of the park, a big shout out to Travis Charest because he is a gift and every piece of work he gives us is to be cherished. He does the cover on this one of Jean Grey. I love and it I, so much. The last page of this issue is a peek at his cover for number two of Nightcrawler and it made me gasp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, so good. This also has my favorite panel of the week, Sexy Namor yep. being sexy. So much abs. <laughs> so those are the issues out this week. Collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man Worldwide Volume 3 in hardcover, Avengers and Champions Worlds Collide trade paperback, Black Panther by Reginald Hudlin, The Complete Collection Volume 3, Daredevil Shadowland Omnibus hardcover, Deadpool by Daniel Way Omnibus Volume 1, Inhumans Once and Future Kings trade paperback, Invincible Iron Man by Brian Michael Bendis hardcover, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy Digest Volume 6 trade paperback and Star Wars Dr. Aphra Volume 2 Dr. Aphra and the Enormous Prophet trade paperback. Oh yeah, Aphra. Finish up. We also have 
bunch of other books on sale on the Marvel app this week. There are a few highlights I'm going to pick out because I was looking through the list for the full list of digital comics on the Marvel app this week. Check out the pull list article at news.marvel.com. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, we have issues 2 through 31 of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. This is an old 70s black and white magazine produced during the Kung Fu movie craze, and it is awesome! Plus, magazine-style editorial stories focusing on movies or Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris or whatever. The limited series Megamorphs is on the Marvel app this week. It's a fun series from 2005 by Sean McKeever and Liu Kang. It's like Marvel plus Japanese mecha tokusatsu-style action in a manga art style. That's what the story is. Sounds awesome. It's rad. Marvel characters and giant mechs of themselves, dope. Also on Marvel Unlimited. The last one I saw that I wanted to highlight was Startling Stories Banner, issues one through four. I say buy this series or read it on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, It's rad psychological Hulk story from 2001 by Brian Azzarello and the amazing legendary Richard Corbin. Corbin, his art is God level on everything he does, especially here. That is it. That is all you need to know. Uh, again, for the full list of digital comics added to the Marvel app this week, check out news.marvel.com. Article for the pull list. The link will be in the show notes. Additionally, link will be in the show notes for all the digital collections on sale this week. A couple of them I'm highlighting here are Hulk Return of the Monster. It's all four issues of that Hulk series by Azzarello and Corbin in one handy-dandy digital collection. Or The Nom Volume 1. It's a heavy story about Vietnam. Definitely relevant if you checked out the Punisher Platoon book we talked about from last week. Mm -hmm. For the full list of all the digital collections, head over to news.marvel.com. Similarly, on that same place, you're seeing all these lists. You're going to see all the digital comics added to Marvel Unlimited this week. We're starting to see some of the Generations issues come in. So uh, the Banner and Totally Awesome Hulk issue of Generations is in there now. That's really neat. We have all six issues of Immortal Iron Fists, which was the series that debuted on Comixology. Now the whole run is in there. It's really, really neat. This is now the time to read it. Your subscription to Marvel Unlimited is less than the cost of all six issues that you could have paid. (laughs) You should read this. It's really friggin' good. Plus, there's like about 20 classic issues of Sensational She-Hulk added to Marvel Unlimited this week. Tons and tons of good stuff, y'all. We just put up an article on the website yesterday that details all the books that are coming into Marvel Unlimited for the entire month of February. Go check it out. Yeah. All right, that is it for the pull list for this week. Stay tuned for in a couple days. You'll have a full episode of This Week in Marvel where we'll highlight all the news coming out this week as well as some of the books that we skipped over a little bit. We'll give you a little taste. Uh, And then we're... That was too much. It's like a little guinea pig that has like the little water bottle in his cage. You know, that's what the sound it it makes. Okay. (laughs) Everybody, have have a great rest of the week. We love you. This is Marvel. Your universe.